Chapter Ten of Opening a Chestnut Burr by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Light Many Waters. Chapter Ten: A Plot Against Miss Walton. Gregory was soon off for his ramble. The storm had cleared away, leaving the air so warm and genial as to suggest spring rather than fall. But he was quite oblivious of the outer world and familiar scenes had not the power to awaken either pleasant or painful associations. He was trying to account for the influence that Annie Walton had suddenly gained over him, but it was beyond his philosophy. This provoked him. His cool, worldly nature doubted everything and especially everybody. He believed in the inherent weakness of humanity, and that if people were exceptionally good it was because they had been exceptionally fortunate in escaping temptation. He also had a cynical pleasure in seeing such people tripping and stumbling, so that he might say in self-excusing, We are all alike. And yet he was compelled to admit that if Annie's goodness was seeming, it was higher art than he had known before. There was also an unconscious assertion of superiority in her manner that he did not like. True, things had turned out far better than he had expected. There was no cant about her. She did not lecture him or talk religion in what he regarded as the stereotyped way and he was sure she would not, even if they became better acquainted. But there is that in genuine goodness and nobility of character that always humiliates the bad and makes them feel their degradation. A real pity and sympathy for him tinged her manner, but these qualities are not agreeable to pride, and it must be admitted that she had a little self-righteous satisfaction that she was so much better than this sadly robbed and wounded man suddenly appearing at the wayside of her life in human strength there is generally a trace of arrogance only divine strength and purity can say with perfect love and full allowance for all weakness and adverse influences neither do i condemn thee go and sin no more gregory had now reached a rustic bridge across a little stream that swollen from the recent rain came gurgling and clamoring down from the hills leaning upon the rail he seemed to watch the foaming water glide under his feet but the outward vision made no impression on his mind. At last, in the consciousness of solitude, he said, She told me I must find her out. I will. I will know whether she is as free from human frailty as she seems. I have little doubt that before many days I can cause her to show all the inherent weakness of her sex, and I should think New York and Paris had taught me what they are. She has never been tempted. She has never been subjected to the delicate flattery of an accomplished man of the world. I am no gross libertine. I could not be in this place. I could not so wrong hospitality in the household of my father's friend. But I should like to prove to that girl her delusion, and show her that she is a weak woman like the rest, that she is a pretty painted ship that has never been in a storm, and therefore need not sail so confidently. We all start on the voyage of life as little skiffs and pleasure-boats might across the ocean, if any get safely over it is because they were lucky enough not to meet dangerous currents or rough weather i should like her better with her piquant ways if she were more like myself saints and madonnas are well enough in pictures but such as i would find them very uncomfortable society with sudden power the thought flashed upon him why not let her make you as she is where did the thought come from tell me not that the divine father forgets his children he is speaking to them continually only they will not hear there was a brief passionate wish on the part of this bad man that she might be what she seemed, and that he could become like her. As the turbulent muddy Jordan divided that God's people might pass through, so this thought from heaven found passage through his heart. 
and then the current of sinful impulse and habit flowed on as before with the stupidity of evil he was breaking the clue that god had dropped into his hand even when desperately weary of his lost state he is wrecked and helpless on the wide ocean a ship is coming to his rescue and his first effort is that this vessel also may be wrecked or greatly injured in the attempt there is no insanity like that of a perverted heart the adversary of souls has so many human victims doing his work that he can fold his hands in idleness and yet according to the world's practice and we might almost say its code gregory purposed nothing that would be severely condemned nothing more than an ordinary flirtation as common in society as idleness love of excitement and that power over others which ministers to vanity he had no wish to be able to say anything worse of her than that under temptation she would be as vain and heartless a coquette as many others that he knew in what is regarded as good society he would have cut off his right hand as he then felt rather than sought to lead her into gross sin and yet what did gregory purpose in regard to annie but to take the heavenly bloom and beauty from her character as if they can be lovely to either god or man of whom it can be said only they commit no overt crime what is the form of a rose without its beauty and fragrance they who tempt to evil are the real iconoclasts they destroy god's image but the supreme question of the selfish heart is what do i want now gregory wished to satisfy himself and miss walton that she had no grounds for claiming any special superiority over him and he turned on his heels and went back to the house to carry out his purpose nature purified and beautiful by reason of its recent baptism from heaven had no attractions for him gems of moisture sparkled unseen he was planning and scheming to turn her head with vanity make her quiet life of ministry to others odious and draw her into a fashionable flirtation annie did not appear until the supper bell summoned her and then said mr gregory i hope you will not think it rude if father and i leave you to your books and aunt eulie's care this evening it is our church prayer meeting night and father never likes to be absent i shall miss you beyond measure the evening will seem an age something in his tone caused her to give him a quick glance but she only said with a smile you are very polite to say so but i imagine the last magazine will be a good substitute i doubt whether there is a substitute for you miss walton i am coming to believe that your absence would make that vacuum which nature so dreads you shall see how good i will be this evening and you shall read me everything you please even to that ancient ecclesiastical history if you will only stay i will be your slave and you shall rule me with a rod of iron or draw me with the silken cords of kindness according to your mood it is not well to have too many moods mr gregory said annie quietly in reply to all your alluring reasons for staying at home i have only to say that i have promised father to go with him besides i think it is my duty to go duty is a harsh troublesome word to be always quoting it is a kind of straitjacket which we poor mortal lunatics are compelled to wear duty seems to me a good solid road on which one may travel safely one never knows where the side paths lead into the brambles or morass like enough indeed miss walton such austerity is not becoming to your youth and beauty what am i to think of your sincerity when you speak of my beauty mr gregory beauty is a question of taste answered gregory gallantly it is settled by no rigid rules or principles but the eyes of the observer oh i understand now my beauty this evening is the result of your bad taste calling it bad does not make it so well since you will not remain at home with me will you not let me go with you to the prayer meeting if i am ever to join your church it is time i entered on the initiating mysteries i think a book will do you more good in your present mood 
what a low estimate you make of the means of grace why certain of your poets have said and fools who came to scoff remain to pray the quotation does not apply to you mr gregory for even if you can doubt the power and truth of christianity the memory of your childhood will prevent you from scoffing at it a sudden shadow came across his face but after a moment he said in his old tones will you not let me go to the prayer meeting father will be glad to have you go with us if you think it prudent to venture out in the night air prudence to the dogs what is the use of living if we cannot do as we please but will you be glad to have me go that depends upon your motives if i should confess you wouldn't let me go he replied with a bow but i will try to be as good as possible just to reward your kindness the rest of the family now joined them in the supper-room and during the meal walter exerted himself to show how entertaining he could be if he chose anecdotes incidents of travel graphic sketches of society and sallies of wit made the hour pass before any one was aware even the children listened with wondering eyes and mr walton and miss eulie were delighted with the vivacity of their guest annie apparently had no reason to complain of him for his whole manner toward her during the hour was that of delicately sustained compliment when she spoke he listened with deference and her words usually had point and meaning he also gave to her remark the best interpretation of which they were capable and by skilfully drawing her out made her surpass even herself so that miss eulie said why annie there is surely some witchcraft about you and mr gregory are as brilliant as fireworks it's all miss walton's work i assure you said gregory as pat declared i'm not meself any more and shall surprise you sir by asking if i may go to the prayer meeting miss walton says i can if i will behave myself the last time i went to the old place i made faces at the girls i suppose that would be wrong that is the sin of our age making faces said annie many have to and some can make for themselves even more now that was a barbed arrow said gregory looking at her keenly did you let it fly adventure bless me said mr walton rising hastily we should have been on the road a quarter of an hour ago you mustn't be so entertaining another prayer-meeting night mr gregory of course we shall be glad to have you accompany us if you feel well enough i give you both but five minutes before joining me at the wagon walter again mounted the stairs with something of his old buoyancy and annie followed looking curiously after him it was not in human nature to be indifferent to that most skilful flattery which can be addressed to woman the recognition of her cleverness and the enhancing of it by adroit and suggestive questions and yet all his manner was tinged by a certain insincere gallantry rather than by a manly honest respect she vaguely felt this though she could not distinctly point it out he puzzled her what did he mean and at what was he aiming End of chapter ten